Act Four of The Way of the World by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four, Scene One. Scene continues. Lady Wishfort and Foible. Is Sir Rowland coming? Says thou, Foible, and are things in order? Yes, madam. I have put wax lights in the sconces and place the footmen in a row in the hall in their best liveries with the coachman and postillion to fill up the equipage have you palvilled the coachman and postillion that they may not stink of the stable when sir roland comes by yes madam and are the dancers and the music ready that he may be entertained in all points with correspondence to his passion all is ready madam and well and how do i look foible most killing well madame well and how shall i receive him in what figure shall i give his heart the first impression there is a great deal in the first impression shall i sit no i won't sit i'll walk ay i'll walk from the door upon his entrance and then turn full upon him no that would be too sudden i lie ay i'll lie down i'll receive him in my little dressing-room there's a couch yes yes i'll give the first impression on a couch i won't lie neither but loll and lean upon one elbow with one foot a little dangling off jogging in a thoughtful way yes and then as soon as he appears start ay start and be surprised and rise to meet him in a pretty disorder yes oh nothing is more alluring than a levy from a couch in some confusion it shows the foot to advantage and furnishes with blushes and recomposing airs beyond comparison hark there's a coach tis he madame oh dear as my nephew made his addresses to millamount i ordered him sir wilful is set into drinking madame in the parlour oh it's my life i'll send him to her Call her down, Foible. Bring her hither. I'll send him as I go. When they are together, then come to me, Foible, that I may not be too long alone with Sir Roland. Scene two. Mrs. Millamant, Mrs. Fainall, Foible. Madame, I stayed here to tell your ladyship that Mr. Mirabel has waited this half hour for an opportunity to talk with you, though my lady's orders were to leave you and Sir Wilful together shall i tell mr mirabel that you are at leisure no what would the dear man have i am thoughtful and would amuse myself bid him come another time there never yet was woman made nor shall but to be cursed there never yet was woman made nor shall but to be cursed repeating and walking about that's hard you are very fond of sir john suckling to-day millamant and the poets he ay and filthy verses so i am sir wilful is coming madame shall i send mr mirabel away ay if you please foible send him away or send him hither just as you will dear foible i think i'll see him shall i ay let the wretch come thyrsis a youth of the inspired train repeating thyrsis a youth of the inspired train dear fainall entertain sir wilful thou hast philosophy to undergo a fool thou art married and hast patience i would confer with my own thoughts i am obliged to you that you would make me your proxy in this affair but i have business of my own scene three to them sir wilful oh sir wilful you are come at the critical instant there's your mistress up to the ears in love and contemplation 
pursue your point now or never yes my aunt will have it so i would gladly have been encouraged with a bottle or two because i am somewhat wary at first before i am acquainted this while millamant walks about repeating to herself but i hope after a time i shall break my mind that is upon further acquaintance so for the present cousin i'll take my leave if so be you'll be so kind to make my excuse i'll return to my company oh fie sir wilful what you must not be daunted daunted no that's not it it's not so much for that for if so be that i set on't i'll do't but only for the present tis sufficient till further acquaintance that's all your servant nay i'll swear you shall never lose so favourable an opportunity if i can help it i'll leave you together and lock the door scene four sir wilful millamant nay nay cousin i have forgot my gloves what ye do zhard has locked the door indeed i think nay cousin fainall open the door pshaw what a vixen trick is this nay now a has seen me too cousin i made bold to pass through as it were i think this door's enchanted repeating i prithee spare me gentle boy press me no more for that slight toy anon cousin your servant that foolish trifle of a heart sir wilful yes your servant no offence i hope cousin repeating i swear it will not do its part though thou dost thine employst thy power in art natural easy suckling anon suckling no such suckling neither cousin nor stripling i thank heaven i'm no minor ah rustic ruder than gothic well well i shall understand your lingo one of these days cousin in the meanwhile i must answer in plain english have you any business with me sir wilful not at present cousin yes i made bold to see to come and know if that how you were disposed to fetch a walk this evening if so be that i might not be troublesome i would have sought a walk with you a walk what then nay nothing only for the walk's sake that's all i nauseate walking tis a country diversion i loathe the country and everything that relates to it indeed ha look ye look ye you do nay tis like you may here are choice of pastimes here in town as plays and the like that must be confessed indeed ah let tell thee i hate the town too <laughs> dear heart that's much ha that you should hate em both ha tis like you may there are some can't relish the town and others can't away with the country tis like you may be one of those cousin <laughs> yes tis like i may you have nothing further to say to me not at present cousin tis like when i have an opportunity to be more private i may break my mind in some measure i conjecture you partly guess however that's as time shall try but spare to speak and spare to speed as they say if it is of no great importance sir wilful you will oblige me to leave me i have just now a little business enough enough cousin yes yes all a case when you're disposed when you're disposed now's as well as another time and another time as well as now all's one for that yes yes if your concerns call you there's no haste it will keep cold as they say cousin your servant i think this door's locked you may go this way sir your servant then with your leave i'll return to my company ay ay 
<laughs> like Phoebus sung the no less amorous boy. Scene five. Mrs. Millamand, Mirabel. Like Daphne, she, as lovely and as coy, do you lock yourself up from me to make my search more curious, or is this pretty artifice contrived to signify that here the chase must end and my pursuit be crowned, for you can fly no further? Vanity! No, I'll fly and be followed to the last moment. Though I am upon the very verge of matrimony, I expect you should solicit me as much as if I were wavering at the grate of a monastery, with one foot over the threshold. I'll be solicited to the very last. Nay, and afterwards. What? After the last? Oh, I should think I was poor and had nothing to bestow if I were reduced to an inglorious ease and freed from the agreeable fatigues of solicitation. But do not you know that when favours are conferred upon instant and tedious solicitation, that they diminish in their value, and that both the giver loses the grace and the receiver lessens his pleasure? It may be in things of common application, but never sure in love. Oh, I hate a lover that can dare to think he draws a moment's air independent on the bounty of his mistress. There is not so impudent a thing in nature as the saucy look of an assured man confident of success. The pedantic arrogance of a very husband has not so pragmatical an air. Ah, I'll never marry unless I am first made sure of my will and pleasure. Would you have them both before marriage? Or will you be contented with the first now, and stay for the other till after grace? Ah, oh, don't be impertinent. My dear liberty, shall I leave thee? My faithful solitude, my darling contemplation, must I bid you then adieu? Aye, adieu. My morning thoughts, agreeable wakings, indolent slumbers, all ye douceur, ye sommeil du matin, adieu. I can't do it. Tis more than impossible. Positively, Mirabel, I'll lie abed in a morning as long as I please. Then I'll get up in a morning as early as I please. Ah, idle creature, get up when you will. And, do you hear, I won't be called names after I'm married. Positively, I won't be called names. Names? Ay, as wife, spouse, my dear, joy, jewel, love, sweetheart, and the rest of that nauseous cant, in which men and their wives are so fulsomely familiar, I shall never bear that. Good Mirabel, don't let us be familiar, or fond, nor kiss before folks, like my Lady Fadler and Sir Francis, nor go to Hyde Park together the first Sunday, in a new chariot, to provoke eyes and whispers, and then never be seen there together again, as if we were proud of one another the first week, and ashamed of one another ever after. Let us never visit together, nor go to a play together, but let us be very strange and well-bred. Let us be as strange as if we had been married a great while, and as well-bred as if we were not married at all. Have you any more conditions to offer? Hitherto your demands are pretty reasonable. Trifles. As liberty to pay and receive visits to and from whom I please. To write and receive letters, without interrogatories or wry faces on your part. To wear what I please and choose conversation with regard only to my own taste. To have no obligation upon me to converse with wits that I don't like, because they are your acquaintance, or to be intimate with fools because they may be your relations. Come to dinner when I please, dine in my dressing-room when I'm out of humour, without giving a reason. To have my closet inviolate, to be sole empress of my tea-table, which you must never presume to approach without first asking leave. And lastly, wherever I am, you shall always knock at the door before you come in. These articles subscribed, if I continue to endure you a little longer, I may by degrees dwindle into a wife. 
your bill of fare is something advanced in this latter account. Well, have I liberty to offer conditions, that when you are dwindled into a wife, I may not be beyond measure enlarged into a husband? You have free leave. Propose your utmost. Speak and spare not. I thank you. In premise, then, I covenant that your acquaintance be general, that you admit no sworn confidant or intimate of your own sex, know she friend to screen her affairs under your countenance, and tempt you to make trial of a mutual secrecy, no decoy duck to wheedle you, a fop scrambling to the play in a mask, then bring you home in a pretended fright when you think you shall be found out, and rail at me for missing the play, and disappointing the frolic which you had to pick me up and prove my constancy. Detestable in primus! I go to the play in a mask? Item. I article that you continue to like your own face as long as I shall, and while it passes current with me, that you endeavour not to new-coin it. To which end, together with all vizards for the day, I prohibit all masks for the night, made of oiled skins and I know not what, hog's bones, hare's gall, pig-water, and the marrow of a roasted cat. In short, I forbid all commerce with the gentlewomen in what you call it court. Item. I shut my doors against all boards with baskets, and pennyworths of muslin, china, fans, atlases, etc. Item, when you shall be breeding. Ah, uh, name it not. Which may be presumed, with a blessing on our endeavours. Odious endeavours. I denounce against all straight lacing, squeezing for a shape, till you mould my boy's head like a sugar-loaf, and instead of a man-child make me father to a crooked billet lastly to the dominion of the tea-table i submit but with proviso that you exceed not in your province but restrain yourself to native and simple tea-table drinks as tea chocolate and coffee as likewise to genuine and authorised tea-table talk such as mending of fashions spoiling reputations railing at absent friends and so forth but that on no account you encroach upon the men's prerogative and presume to drink healths or toast fellows for prevention of which i banish all foreign forces all auxiliaries to the tea-table as orange brandy all aniseed cinnamon citron and barbados waters together with ratafia and the most noble spirit of clary but for cowslip wine poppy water and all dormitives those i allow these provisos admitted in other things i may prove a tractable and complying husband oh horrid provisos filthy strong waters i toast fellows odious men i hate your odious provisos then we're agreed shall i kiss your hand upon the contract and here comes one to be a witness to the sealing of the deed scene six to them mrs fainall fainall what shall i do shall i have him i think i must have him ay ay take him take him what should you do well then i'll take my death i'm in a horrid fright fain all i shall never say it well i think i'll endure you fie fie have him and tell him so in plain terms for i'm sure you have a mind to him are you i think i have and the horrid man looks as if he thought so too well you ridiculous thing you i'll have you i won't be kissed nor i won't be thanked here kiss my hand though so hold your tongue now don't say a word mirabel there's a necessity for your obedience you have neither time to talk nor stay my mother is coming and in my conscience if she should see you would fall into fits and maybe not recover time enough to return to sir roland who as foible tells me is in a fair way to succeed therefore spare your ecstasies for another occasion and slip down the back stairs where foible waits to consult you 
Aye, go, go. In the meantime, I suppose you have said something to please me. I am all obedience. Scene 7. Mrs. Millamant, Mrs. Fainall. Yonder Sir Wilful's drunk, and so noisy that my mother has been forced to leave Sir Rowland to appease him. But he answers her only with singing and drinking. What they may have done by this time I know not, but Petulance and he were upon quarrelling as I came by. Well, if Mirabel should not make a good husband, I am a lost thing, for I find I love him violently. So it seems, for you mind not what's said to you. If you doubt him, you had best take up with Sir Wilful. How can you name that superannuated lubber? Faugh! Scene 8. To them, Whitwood from drinking. So, is the fray made up that you have left them? Left them? I could stay no longer. I have laughed like ten christenings. I am tipsy with laughing. If I had stayed any longer, I should have burst. I must have been let out and pieced in the sides like an unsized camlet. Yes, yes, the fray is composed. My lady came in like a nolly prosequi and stopped the proceedings. What was the dispute? That's the jest. There was no dispute. They could neither of them speak for rage, and so fell a-sputtering at one another like two roasting apples. Scene 9. To them, petulant, drunk. Now, petulant, all's over, all's well. Gad, my head begins to whim it about. Why dost thou not speak? Thou art both as drunk and as mute as a fish. <sighs> Look, you mistress millament. If you can love me, dear nymph, say it. And that's the conclusion. Pass on or pass off. That's all. Thou hast uttered volumes, folios, in less than decimo sexto. My dear Lacedaemonian, Syrah, petulant, thou art an epitomizer of words. Whitwood, you are an, an annihilator of sense. Thou art a retailer of phrases, and dost deal in remnants of remnants, like a maker of pincushions. Thou art in truth, metaphorically speaking, a speaker of shorthand. Thou art, without a figure, just one half of an ass, and Baldwin yonder, thy half-brother, is the rest. A Gemini of asses split would make just four of you. <laughs> Thou dost bite, my dear mustard-seed. Kiss me for that. Stand off. I'll kiss no more males. I have kissed your twin yonder in a humour of reconciliation till he rises upon my stomach like a radish. Eh, filthy creature. What was the quarrel? There was no quarrel. <sighs> there might have been a quarrel. If there had been words in between them to have expressed provocation, they had gone together by the ears like a pair of castanets. You were the quarrel. Me? If I have a humour to quarrel, I can make less matters conclude premises. If you are not handsome, what then? If I have a humour to prove it, Oh, if I shall have my reward, say so. If not, fight for your face the next time yourself. I'll go sleep. Do, 
wrap thyself up like a woodlouse and dream revenge and hear me if thou canst learn to write my to-morrow morning pen me a challenge i'll carry it for thee carry your mistress's monkey a spider go flee dogs and read romances i'll go to bed to my maid he's horribly drunk how came you all in this pickle a plot a plot to get rid of the knight your husband's advice but he sneaked off scene ten sir wilful drunk lady wishfort witwood mrs millamant mrs fainall out upon it out upon it at years of discretion and comport yourself at this rantipole rate no offence aunt offence as i'm a person i'm ashamed of you Faugh! how you stink of wine do you think my niece will ever endure such a borachio you're an absolute borachio borachio at a time when you should commence an amour and put your best foot foremost it's hard and you grudge me your liquor make a bill give me more drink and take my purse sings prithee fill me the glass till it laugh in my face with ale that is potent and mellow he that whines for a lass is an ignorant ass for a bumper has not its fellow but if you would have me marry my cousin say the word and i'll doot wilful will doot that's the word wilful will doot that's my crest my motto i have forgot my nephew's a little overtaken cousin but tis drinking your health oh my word you are obliged to him in vino veritas aunt if i drunk your health to-day cousin i am a borracho but if you have a mind to be married say the word and send for the piper wilful will doot if not dust it away and let's have t'other round tony odds heart where's tony tony's an honest fellow but he spits after a bumper and that's a fault well drink and will never had done boys put the glass then around with the sun boys let apollo's example invite us for he's drunk every night and that makes him so bright that he's able next morning to light us the sun's a good pimple an honest soaker he has a cellar at your antipodes if i travel aunt i touch at your antipodes your antipodes are a good rascally sort of topsy-turvy fellows if i had a bumper i'd stand upon my head and drink a health to em a match or no match cousin with the hard name aunt wilful will doot if she has her maiden head let her look toot if she has not let her keep her own counsel in the meantime and cry out at the nine months end your pardon madam i can stay no longer sir wilful grows very powerful Ugh! how he smells i shall be overcome if i stay come cousin scene eleven lady wishfort sir wilful witwood mr witwood foible smells he would poison a tallow chandler and his family 
beastly creature. I know not what to do with him. Travel, quotha? Aye, travel, travel. Get thee gone, get thee but far enough, to the Saracens, or the Tartars, or the Turks. For thou art not fit to live in a Christian commonwealth, thou beastly pagan. Turks! No, no Turks, aunt. Your Turks are infidels, and believe not in the grape. Your Mohammedan, your Mussulman, is a dry stinkard. No offence, aunt. My map says that your Turk is not so honest a man as your Christian. I cannot find by the map that your Mufti is orthodox, whereby it is a plain case that orthodox is a hard word, aunt, and <coughs> Greek for claret. Sings. To drink is a Christian diversion, unknown to the Turk or the Persian. Let Mahometan fools live by heathenish rules, and be damned over teacups and coffee. But let British lads sing, crown a health to the king, and a fig for your sultan and sophie. Ah, Tony! Foible whispers Lady Wishfort. Sir Rowland impatient. Good lack! What shall I do with this beastly tumbrel? Go lie down and sleep, you sot, or as I'm a person, I'll have you bastinadoed with broomsticks. Call up the wenches with broomsticks. Hey, wenches! Where are the wenches? Dear cousin Whitwood, get him away, and you will bind me to you inviolably. I have an affair of moment that invades me with some precipitation. You will oblige me to all futurity. Come, knight, pox on him. I don't know what to say to him. Will you go to a cock-match? With a wench, Tony? Is she a shake-bag, sirrah? Let me bite your cheek for that. Horrible! He has a breath like a bagpipe. Ay, ay, come, will you march, my salopian? Lead on, little Tony. I'll follow thee, my Anthony, my Tantony. Sirrah, thou shalt be my Tantony, and I'll be thy pig. <laughs> and a fig for your sultan and sophie. This will never do. It will never make a match, at least before he has been abroad. Scene 12. Lady Wishfort, wait well disguised as for Sir Rowland. Dear Sir Rowland, I am confounded with confusion at the retrospection of my own rudeness. I have more pardons to ask than the Pope distributes in the year of Jubilee. But I hope where there is likely to be so near an alliance, we may unbend the severity of decorum, and dispense with a little ceremony. My impatience, madame, is the effect of my transport. Until I have the possession of your adorable person, I am tantalised on the rack, and do but hang, madame, on the tenter of expectation. You have excess of gallantry, Sir Rowland, and press things to a conclusion with the most prevailing vehemence. But a day or two for decency of marriage. For decency of funeral, madame, the delay will break my heart, or if that should fail, I shall be poisoned. My nephew will get an inkling of my designs and poison me, and I would willingly starve him before I die. I would gladly go out of the world with that satisfaction. That would be some comfort to me, if I could but live so long as to be revenged on that unnatural viper. 
Is he so unnatural, say you? Truly, I would contribute much both to the saving of your life and the accomplishment of your revenge. Not that I respect myself, though he has been a perfidious wretch to me. Perfidious to you? Oh, Sir Rowland, the hours that he has died away at my feet, the tears that he has shed, the oaths that he has sworn, the palpitations that he has felt, the trances and the tremblings, the ardours and the ecstasies, the kneelings and the risings, the heart-heavings and the hand-gripings, the pangs and the pathetic regards of his protesting eyes. Oh, no memory can register. What? My rival? Is the rebel my rival? A dies. No, don't kill him at once, Sir Rowland. Starve him gradually, inch by inch. I'll do it. In three weeks he shall be barefoot, in a month out at knees with begging and arms. He shall starve upward and upward, till he has nothing living but his head, and then go out in a stink like a candle's end upon a save-all. Well, Sir Rowland, you have the way. You are no novice in the labyrinth of love. You have the clue. But as I am a person, Sir Rowland, you must not attribute my yielding to any sinister appetite or indigestion of widowhood, nor impute my complacency to any lethargy of continence. I hope you do not think me prone to any iteration of nuptials. Far be it from me. If you do, I protest I must recede, or think that I have made a prostitution of decorums. But in the vehemence of compassion, and to save the life of a person of so much importance— I esteem it so. Or else you wrong my condescension. I do not, I do not. Indeed you do. I do not, fair shrine of virtue. If you think the least scruple of causality was an ingredient— Dear madam, no! You are all camphor and frankincense, all chastity and odour. Or that. Scene thirteen. To them, foible. Madame, the dancers are ready, and there's one with a letter who must deliver it into your own hands. Sir Rowland, will you give me leave? Think favourably, judge candidly, and conclude you have found a person who would suffer racks in honour's cause, dear Sir Rowland and will wait on you incessantly. Scene 14. Waitwell, Foible. Fie, fie, what a slavery have I undergone! Spouse, hast thou any cordial? I want spirits. What a washy rogue art thou, to pant thus for a quarter of an hour's lying and swearing to a fine lady? Oh, she is the antidote to desire. Spouse, thou wilt fare the worse for it. I shall have no appetite to iteration of nuptials. It's eight and forty hours. By this hand I'd rather be a chairman in the dog days than act Sir Rowland till this time to-morrow. Scene 15. To them, Lady Wishfort with a letter. Call in the dancers. Sir Rowland, we'll sit, if you please, and see the entertainment. Dance. Now, with your permission, Sir Rowland, I will peruse my letter. I would open it in your presence, because I would not make you uneasy. If it should make you uneasy, I would burn it. Speak if it does. But you may see the superscription is like a woman's hand. By heaven! Mrs. Marwood's! I know it! My heart aches! Get it from her! To him! 
A woman's hand? No, madam, that's no woman's hand. I see that already. That's somebody whose throat must be cut. Nay, Sir Rowland, since you give me a proof of your passion by your jealousy, I promise you I'll make a return by a frank communication. You shall see it. We'll open it together. Look you here. Reads. Madam, though unknown to you, look you there, tis from nobody that I know. I have that honour for your character that I think myself obliged to let you know you are abused. He who pretends to be Sir Rowland is a cheat and a rascal. Oh, heavens! What's this? Unfortunate, all's ruined. Ho, ho, let me see, let me see. Reading. A rascal undisguised and suborned for that imposture. O oh, villainy, O oh, villainy, by the contrivance of— I shall faint. I shall die. Say, tis your nephew's hand. Quickly, his plot. Swear, swear it. To him. Here's a villain, madam. Don't you perceive it? Don't you see it? Too well, too well. I have seen too much. I told you at first I knew the hand, a woman's hand. The rascal writes a sort of large hand, your Roman hand. I saw there was a throat to be cut presently. If he were my son, as he is my nephew, I'd pistol him. Oh, treachery! But are you sure, Sir Roland, it is his writing? Sure? Am I here? Do I live? Do I love this pearl of India? I have twenty letters in my pocket from him in the same character. How? Oh, what luck it is, Sir Roland, that you were present at this juncture. This was the business that brought Mr. Mirabel disguised to Madame Millamant this afternoon. I thought something was contriving when he stole by me, and would have hid his face. How? How? I heard the villain was in the house indeed, and now I remember. My niece went away abruptly when Sir Wilful was to have made his addresses. Then, then, madame, Mr. Mirabel waited for her in her chamber, but I would not tell your ladyship to discompose you when you were to receive Sir Rowland. Enough. His date is short. No. Good Sir Rowland, don't incur the law. Law? I care not for law. I can but die, and tis in a good cause. My lady shall be satisfied of my truth and innocence, though it cost me my life. No. Dear Sir Rowland, don't fight. If you should be killed, I must never show my face, or hanged. Oh, consider my reputation, Sir Roland. No, you shan't fight. I'll go in and examine my niece. I'll make her confess. I conjure you, Sir Roland, by all your love, not to fight. I am charmed, madame. I obey, but some proof you must let me give you. I'll go for a black box which contains the writings of my whole estate, and deliver that into your hands. Ah, dear Sir Roland, that will be some comfort. Bring the black box. And may I presume to bring a contract to be signed this night? May I hope so far? Bring what you will, but come alive. Pray come alive. Oh, this is a happy discovery. Dead or alive, I'll come and married we will be in spite of treachery, ay, and get an her that shall defeat the last remaining glimpse of hope in my abandoned nephew. Come, my buxom widow. 
ere long you shall substantial proof receive that i am an arrant knight or arrant knave 